0: My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad,
1: and the self-inserts. Today, our guest is Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, you know. It's a pretty good day so far. Hey, you know what? Pretty good is still good. That's true. Especially
0: given how it is summer and everything is heating up everywhere.
1: Yeah, it's very humid up here.
0: Oh God, it, we have a we have a saying in my hometown. It's not the heat; it's the humidity. Yeah. Which, pretty sure that carries over everywhere. But <laughs> weather aside, regardless, Charlie, who
1: are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about my Dragon Age OC Daisy Chevelyan. Okay, no,
0: I. I, as I am sure that those of you who have listened to previous episodes may be aware of, I am not always the most um, knowledgeable about lots of different kinds of media. So, Charlie, would you mind giving uh, a little bit of context or summary as to the Dragon Age games or what listeners like me, in this case, will need to understand uh, Daisy and her world?
1: Okay. So, Dragon Age is a universe um that takes place on the continent of Thetis, and there are about eight countries in the world. But the three main games really take place in three of the countries: Froden, Olays, and the free marches um In this world, there are four races: there's the humans, the elves, the Dwarves, and the canari, and the canari are like they're kind of like chieflings but the more like if t they're like comp- the bull people, right? Yeah, they have horns and they're usually gray-skinned. Okay. And in this world, elves are looked down on. You usually you'll either find them in alienages, which are like slums, or they're out traveling in clans. And those are the Dalish. And dwarves okay. live either underground or up on the surface. And the Kanai usually most of them are part of the Kune which is this kind of like religion where everyone has a purpose and you have to stick to that purpose. And okay, magic in this world, and magic is very important because Daisy is a mage. And magic mm-hmm. in the Dragon Age universe is looked down upon, you know, because mages have a connection to the Fade, which is like this world where when you go to sleep, when you dream, you go to the Fade. And in the Fade, demons and spirits exist there, too. And there's the Veil, which separates the Fade from the rest of the world. So the demons and spirits can't come through. But mages have a connection to the Fade. They draw on it to use their magic. And because of this, they're more susceptible to being possessed by demons. So people are afraid of them because of this. So, the mages in this world are locked up in circles, and they're guarded by the Templars, who have the ability to negate their magic. And the Templars are ran by the Chantry, which is this religious organization. Most countries um, have a Chantry. Most of them follow that doctrine. And the Chantry is run by the Divine, which is kind of like the fantasy pope. Okay. You know, she... She's the leader. She um, makes all the rules and stuff, and she's important to the story in a way. And mm-hmm. another important part is the darkspawn, which are these corrupted creatures, and they usually live in underground, in, which is called the deep roads. And okay, several years. Um they come up to the surface and this corrupted dragon called the Archdemon comes as well, and that's called the Blight. And that if you play okay. it? Origins, mostly about that. But there are some stuff with the wardens in Dragonese Inquisition, which is where Daisy's from.
0: Okay. This sounds like a world with a lot of shall we just say real life equivalents? It is definitely okay. So that was. Thank you for that very concise and insightful summary of, or not summary, like context of the Dragon Age games.
1: Yeah, uh, comes the
0: Dragon. Uh, I think I am. I think I personally now am much more prepared for this episode. Yes. So, is there any point that you want to start talking about Daisy with?
1: Sure. Um, I'll start with her origin, and well, basically. How I created Daisy because, um, in Dragon Age, in all the Dragon Age games, you have a like a template of the character that you choose from, like their race, their background. Oh, yeah. And, um, Daisy's from Dragon Age Position, which is the third game in the series. So you get to pick either a human noble, um, a daily shelf, a surface dwarf, or one of the Canari, and Daisy is a human noble. And I took—you don't get too much information about the characters beyond um, the basics. Like oh, any human you play is a noble person from the Free Marches, and the Free Marches are a bunch of different city states. So the Trevelyan family are like the heads of Oswick. So she was gonna be raised to take over the position of leading Oswick, but then her magic manifested in that kind of ruined things. So Yeah. It screwed up
0: the inheritancy a little bit, I bet.
1: So she was about eight or ten when she discovered that she had magic and she was taken <laughs> to the circle in Oswick. And I made a little different because in dialogue in the game it's kind of implied that because she's nobility or the Trevelyan is nobility that they have a lot more freedom than most mages because mages are usually uh, just kept in the circle and kept under close watch. But I didn't really like that. Mm-hmm. I had it that she, because her magic was unstable and she wasn't always as good at it, that they were really worried about her, so they kind of... Kept her under close watch, so she never really had contact with her family for the longest time.
0: Okay. I just wanted to ask for a quick clarification that the circles are, I'm assuming, prisons, probably some kind of like a tower thing with like a circular keep, I guess? I guess
1: yeah, they're like, some of them are like tower based, some of them will kind of look like, um, prisons they are basically prisons most people who like aren't in the circle or people who are really pro-chantry or a templars don't see them as prisons they see them as ways to keep the mages away from the normal people so nothing bad happens mm-hmm. but they're basically just you once you are in the circle that's where you are for the rest of your life basically that's great But um, at the start of Dragon Age ofquisition, you go to this conclave, because at the end of the second game, something happened that kind of sparked this war between the mages and the Templars. The mages kind of broke free from the circles, and they started fighting. Okay. The conclave was ran by the Divine, who wanted to try and bring peace so that there's not all these people fighting and killing and just, you know, because you see a game that everyone else is getting pulled into this war between them. So Uh So you go to the conclave and there's this explosion there.
0: Oh, great. That sounds like a bomb party.
1: Yeah. And you're the sole survivor of that. And the fate actually is very important in Inquisition because the... Survivor has a mark on their hand, which basically, because there are these whiffs everywhere, Mm -hmm. where demons are coming through. Oh, great! The veil has been several places, and it's the inquisitor's duty to basically seal them all up, so that you know demons aren't invading. Coming through. (laughs) So Daisy is the survivor. And she's very nervous because she's, you know, she just was one of the mages who broke free of the circles. And um, she has a very kind of tragic backstory. Because when she was in the circle, she um, had a boy she really liked. And there's this process called the harrowing, which is when if a mage is deemed too dangerous, they basically remove all emotions from them. Oh, no. So Daisy oh and this boy and a few other friends made this promise that if something happens, if they become um, tranquil, that they would kill the other person, the person who became tranquil, because they felt living without emotion would be worse than death. So she basically killed the first person she ever loved because she didn't want him oh. to...
0: Now, you, you did say the first person, so I do have hope. <laughs> I do have hope that Daisy will end up happy.
1: Daisy is a really interesting character because she started off as a character that was meant to be really happy and have this really nice arc of a character who's really loving and kind and compassionate and just go through the story of being this hero and come out happily. And then something happened along the way where that story changed and it became a story of someone being crushed under the pressure of responsibility and ending up in a much worse place and they set it off.
0: <laughs> I I mean, I can understand the responsibilities weighing heavily on you part. Yeah. But I, I hope that Daisy is okay. I will reiterate that and continue to say it. <laughs>
1: She has two different stories because I didn't want to just give her this tragic ending. So I kind of took a moment where her story kind of diverged into two paths. Okay. Where one of them she is able to push through and have a happy ending. And the other one, she it leads to her eventually committing suicide. Oh, no. Yeah. So,
0: um, since you mentioned that there are two different, like, divergences, two different multiple universes with Daisy, um, which one do you want to talk about, like,
1: first? Uh, we could talk about the sadder one so that we can have the happier one to talk about next.
0: Get that one out of the way.
1: (laughs) So, Daisy also had someone else that she loved that was killed during the Mage-Templar War. And so she comes into the Inquisition. She comes in as the Herald in this place where she's not really sure of herself. Because she's pretty young. She's like 21 at the start of Uh the story. And she's been locked in the circle. So she doesn't really have a lot of skills that that most people do. Because the Templars make sure that the mages don't have survival skills. So like if they try and escape. So
0: you mean like, you mean skills as in like... Being able to, like, hunt or fish or, like, exchange money or sew or create clothes or
1: cook. Yeah, stuff like that.
0: Oh, no, that's not nice. Yeah.
1: But, you know, she's with the Inquisition. She meets people and she's held up to this. She's called the Herald at first because when she came out of the Fade, everyone saw this woman behind her and they thought that was... State, which is kind of like Jesus in this universe. Okay. She was the bride of the maker who was like God in this universe.
0: Okay. That's a whole other ball of wax, but...
1: <laughs> There's a lot we,
0: going on. It's okay. We can come back to that later if it's relevant.
1: So she already has this position of responsibility where she has the anchor and she has to deal with the rifts. But she meets a lot of funds along the way. Um... Most importantly, she has two love interests. Because in the game, um, there's the canonical ones that you can pick from. But there were certain characters I felt she would eventually develop a close relationship with down the line. And, yeah. you know, it's my character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I admit that I'm not the most familiar with the Dragon Age games, but the whole, Nah, I'm gonna pick them instead. Sounds like a pretty common trait among people who play the game.
1: Yeah. There's a, the Dragon Age universe, along with the Mass Effect Bioware, makes a lot of, like, romance-heavy games. So there's the canonical love interest of Josephine, who's also a noble woman. Okay. And um, she can be romanced by anyone. And then okay. eventually another character shows up named Cole, who is a spirit that kind of manifests... Is he the Scarecrow hat guy? Yeah, that's who I'm talking about.
0: Okay, okay. I have seen him. And
1: I really liked um, their relationship because he's someone who's very inclined to help people. He wants to make sure that they're well. And that really jives with Daisy because Daisy's this very caring and compassionate person. You know, she puts other people before herself. She's really strives to do her best. When she becomes Inquisitor, her goals are really oriented towards helping, you know, the people who are being troubled by the riffs, people who are getting involved in those conflicts. She wants to really help people. And I thought that she would form a really strong connection with Cole, even Mm -hmm. though he's a spirit, he's not really human. You know
0: there's magic it can happen.
1: You know, it's not important. (laughs) yeah and it's really nice cause in the but in the satireverse at a point in the game you haven which is where you start off gets attacked by the main antagonist named Corypheus and he basically was this really powerful mage back way way in the past who went into the golden city which is kind of like heaven in this universe and it corrupted him, and he was spat out. So now he's back to try and tear down the veil so that he can go back to heaven and try and kill God.
0: That's some kind of a plot right there, man.
1: Yeah. So he attacks Haven, and you're basically um, separated from everyone else because you're like all deal with this guy, you all escape away, and eventually that leads, you meet back up with the rest of the Inquisition, and you find Skyhold, and that's where most of the rest of the game takes place, you'll probably spend more time in Skyhold than anywhere else, and that's where Daisy's story starts to shift and change, because she's giving a new position, she's now the leader of the Inquisition. Everyone's looking towards her for what to do, um, for help, and she starts buckling under it because she wants to help people, but she's not sure how. And she doesn't yeah. to, She doesn't want anyone to think that she can't do it because, you know, she's a mage, and people don't like mages, and she's so young. Yup. There's a point in the game where you go to Orlais, which is like this, French place. Yeah. To um, protect the Empress from being murdered. And you basically get told that you're the one who gets inside, who rules over Orlais, which I feel is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: There's. This reminds me a lot of how, in current society, how people of a certain age expect the younger generation to be have unrealistic expectations and want the younger generation younger generations, plural, to fix everything and then get upset when we cannot for various reasons or when we do our best and it is not good enough for the older generations. Yeah,
1: And this is also the point in the game where she learns that her brother her twin was at the conclave and that like everyone else there, was killed during the explosion.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: so, it just adds on that she feels that everyone she loves ends up dying and it just kind of, that's where the split happens where in one of it she kind of becomes really depressed and she she's a character that, um I don't know if people are familiar with this, but there's a personality disorder called DPD, which is Dependent Personality Disorder. Basically, it's when someone is very dependent on other people and they can't survive without, um, you know, other people. They always ask for advice from other people. Like, they can't handle being on their own. And Daisy's a character that eventually, I noticed that she was showing signs of that, so I kind of wrote that into her character. And during the, what I call her unhappy split, she starts developing that even worse, but she's also pushing people away because she doesn't want anyone to know that she's suffering. Yep.
0: That sounds like you got a good old Catholic murder complex right there.
1: (laughs) So, her story continues, and she does end up defeating Corypheus, and she, but she doesn't really feel happy because, you know, she's pushed the people that she's loved away because she doesn't want anyone else getting hurt. And in the canonical DLC Trespasser, which takes place two years after the main game, you kind of learn that one of your teammates was using you the entire time. There's this whole plot with it. The reason why. Is this the Eggman? Yeah, this is Solus. He. Okay. An ancient oven god that kind of wants to tear down the veil.
0: I feel like that's the kind of character that would be voiced by like Talos and Jaffy,
1: You know, that's
0: just that's just an aside.
1: <laughs> I wish he was voiced by Talos and Jaffy That would make me like him a lot more.
0: Yeah, I don't. I haven't gotten a very good impression of this Eggman that you speak of.
1: No, I don't. People are pretty divided on whether they like him or not. But I'm on the side where I hope that we get to kill him in Dragon Age Four, because you know he basically says that he. Was using the you the entire time to reach his own goal, and it's awful. But the anchor on your hand is starting to slowly kill you. Um, oh no! Like coming up your arm, like when you see the character, like there's like this, like gross, like veins and stuff. And <clears> the <throat> trespasser has your arm get cut off at the elbow.
0: Oh God. That's not, that's not super good.
1: No. And I I felt at that point in this story arc where she is, where she's very depressed and she's very isolated. This was the final thing that kind of tipped her over the edge and she ends up, um, after two months, just killing herself because she thinks it'd just be better if she was gone. So that's how that divergence ends. Okay.
0: So, flip it around, reverse the method. What is, then, what is then the happier divergence that you've established with Daisy?
1: Well, when she gets the news that her brother dies, she actually um, starts talking to Cole. I thought Cole would be the perfect character to have her talk with because he's familiar with the pains of other people. He can't really see, like, he can see into people's minds which is how he is able to discover the um, troubles that people are going through. But the anchor kind of blurs that. So he can't really see into the inquisitor. But I felt that like with help, he would still be able to see, kind of notice her pain and give her advice and help her. So this is where she, instead of pushing people away, she starts to, you know, talk with Cole and talk with Josephine and starts to um, rely on them and,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: actually find support and help and really start coming into her own and growing as a leader. Okay. And it's really great because Daisy has such a kind heart and I really love her. She's probably one of my favorite characters I developed even though I have this really tragic end to her. I really love the idea of her being this kind of character that no one really thinks much of because she's so young and because she's very timid and shy that they don't really think much of her and her being able to come out at the end to be this really strong but still very caring and compassionate person improving her worth to everyone Mm -hmm. and her being able to beat back all the problems that she faced and really find a new family and people that she cares about and being able to know that not everyone she loves is gonna die. And so her ending with Solace that is that she tells him that she's going to convince him not to go through with tearing down the veil because if the veil is dropped, everyone basically dies. He wants to kind of restart everything. And he doesn't really care that everyone's going to be slaughtered to reach this goal. So she's like, no, you're not, this is not going to happen. If I see you, again, I'm going to convince you that we're worth saving, that we're people, and that, you know, you don't have to do this, that the world is not doomed. Mm -hmm. And there's a trope that I saw um, called All Loving Hero, which is basically a character that just cares about everyone. Mm -hmm. That's some good stuff right there. Yeah, and I feel that's really Daisy because she does. She's very kind and caring, and she's very forgiving, you know. Um, I RP her on a blog on Tumblr, and Mm -hmm. some of the characters' interactions she has with, like, villainous really has her forgiving them and trying to empathize with them and work through so that they can become good people too. So she's a very, you know character that wears her heart on her sleeve she's just really sees the best in others Mm -hmm. and she's a really important character to me because i wouldn't say she's a self insert but um when i made my characters for inquisition because i have three different inquisitors i really took parts of myself and kind of um molded them into their own people and daisy was really the um cares about other and really sees the good in them Mm -hmm. and wants Everyone to be good. She's my sensitivity. You know, she's basically my the heart of me. I kind of shaped into a person. And mm-hmm. it kind of gave her some of my bad traits as well. Her kind of self-sacrificial qualities where she's willing to put others first before her. Mm-hmm. But it makes me really care about her, I guess, because she's developed out of my own. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that's something that's always really interesting to, like, not figure out, but really interesting to look at and interesting to then, like, you know, like, work through and, like, have those kind of self-realizations like it sounds like you had with Daisy. Like, Yeah. yeah, like, I made this character out of parts of myself, both the good and the bad, and then now looking at this character, then how can I use what I see in them to improve myself? Yeah. If that makes any sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very um, developing Daisy and, you know, seeing her as she's developed from the initial um, idea to where she is now. It also allows me to reflect on my own self and just because I feel maybe everyone doesn't think this, but I feel like characters also have like are a part of you. You know, I see my characters as my children. So...
0: Oh yes, I uh, I do not know um, if you personally are familiar with um, the other podcast that I'm on, that I am on, which is Lost Library Grace Hill. So listeners, if you are interested in role playing, there are a couple of previous guests from this show that are on that. Uh, but there is one character that I played in a test game who is now a non-player character in the regular game, uh, and even when I am taking notes, I refer to him as Milo, my son. <laughs> so I I can completely understand you referring to characters as your children.
1: Yes. I think a lot of people can. <laughs> they are my children. I want to see them grow, but I also, when they cause problems, I'm like, I can't believe you are doing this right yes. now.
0: Yes, it's like I I feel like I've probably seen like a meme of that or something on Tumblr of just like like the writer. Like, the writer writing out what happens to their character, and the character's like, but I don't want to do this. Like, no, why are you making me do this? Like, (laughs) I am the writer. I am the writer, but I don't know why you're doing what you're doing.
1: Yes. Which is just, (laughs) it's the magic of creation. Yes, exactly. Like, the character's like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, why? But why? You don't need to do that, you know? But, you know, if that's what you would do. I really don't have much problems when I'm writing Daisy because she's a very easy character to write and she usually doesn't get herself into trouble.
0: (laughs) It sounds like a a lot of Daisy's troubles come from trouble finding her, not her going out to find trouble.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You mentioned... That you've done some writing for Daisy, um, and I know you also you mentioned earlier that it's been for the role playing blog. Has there been any other kind of writing for her with like longer form fiction or just like filling out the backstory from the video games?
1: I have started a story for her, a fanfic for her, but I'm still I haven't written too much for it yet. I've, mm-hmm the first chapter out and I have half of the second chapter written because I really wanted to write her entire story over the course of um, Dragon Age Inquisition, but mostly Uh at this point I just RP with her.
0: Yeah. is I admit that I am not nearly as familiar as I probably could be given how long I've been on the internet. With uh role playing blogs, so uh Charlie, would you mind just like giving a quick like, what is a role playing blog? Like, what are they used for?
1: Okay, um, I will play on Tumblr right now, so you would just make a Tumblr blog and you would, um, you know, write in your characters' backstories and the rules, and you would role play with other people who have characters. Usually, they're just a one on one RP. Sometimes other people will join in. Okay. So, usually, you just role play out one, like, long story between your character and the other person's character, and usually, they just exist in their own universes. I haven't had too many experiences where multiple people would come together, because there are, like, groups of, like, for roleplaying groups, like, where every mm-hmm. character exists in the same universe, which I've done. But with my Dragon Age um, RP blog, mostly it's just one-on-one interactions that all exist in their own universe. So if one character is dating this other character, they can still date this other character and they just exist in different universes where the other one doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, that is the weird part of trying to do uh, what sounds like a crossover roleplay. Um... I feel like I've probably seen people trying to circulate, like, sign-ups for doing, like, Marvel role-playing vlogs, but that's about the scent of it,
1: so thank you for that explanation. You're welcome. And I think art playing helped develop Daisy because interactions with characters and people can send in questions to the blog, so you can, like, give, um, really developed questions like, what are they, what's their favorite flower, or how they deal with this certain situation. So I feel like RPing is a really good way to develop your characters if you are able to do it. Oh, yeah. But how I see it, they're just collaborative storytelling where you're just writing with yes, other people. Yes.
0: yes, 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 Um, I, one quick question. Is Daisy's favorite flower the Daisy? <laughs> it is. Excellent. Um. Uh, <laughs> um my next thing was just going to be a comment on how much i agree with you about how having about how role-playing with other people when you're doing when you're developing a story is It it is not all it is not always one of the best ways but in my experience it has been one of the best ways like with the other role-playing podcasts that i mentioned earlier um there's a mechanic in the Monster of the Week role-playing system, and there's probably other equivalencies in other systems out there where, like, you have to establish history with characters, which is really helpful when you're just, like, trying to pick up stuff like, okay, like, how do I know you besides, we met in this bar. We were summoned by this quest giver to meet in this bar. It's like, no, like, how do you know each other? But then also building up that kind of a rapport. It's super helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Daisy has had a lot of interactions with characters that I felt helped um, allow me to understand more about who she is. Because, you know, it helps prevent different situations that I never would have considered or weren't there when I was playing the game. That I don't yeah. think she would be the same character as she is if I never decided to make the blog and start RPing with people.
0: Yeah. What if then? some of your favorite things that you've learned about Daisy then through the vlog. Hmm. Um or or like just through like discovering her and like fleshing yeah. out her backstory.
1: I really like that she's a kind of character who tries anything once, you know, from both her isolation to just her good natured personality. If someone like wants wanna try something that, that she's never really experienced before, she's willing to give it a go. It's really enjoyable to watch her discover new things. Yeah. She also really loves animals, which is something I didn't really consider too much, but she's... Good. Good.
0: Animals are good. What's her favorite animal?
1: Oh, they're probably, um, they're a Dragon Age-specific character. They're called Nugs. Have you seen a Nug? I
0: feel like I've probably seen it. Those are the weird dog things, right? The good weird dogs?
1: Um, they're kind of more, like, naked bunnies with, like, big ears. Okay. I don't think that I've
0: seen those, then.
1: You're thinking of the Mabaris, which are the weird dogs.
0: Okay. Then no, I have not seen a Nug. You should look them up. They're very cute. Okay. I will have to look one up then after we record.
1: <laughs> but she also really likes cats, because cats were, um... Pretty prevalent in the circles, like they're probably the only really animals she really got to see, because they would chase out the mice. And plus, cats are good. Cats are good. There is something about Daisy that's not in the games that I developed. For her, it's kind of my own hand cannon that involves magic, and in that her magic's really tied to her, her emotions. So like when she gets very emotional, she starts like. Like, ice was out because her magic speciality okay. is um, winter magic, so she's uses mostly ice-based magic when she fights.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and she's usually cold to the touch. Like, if you touched her hand, it would probably be, like, pretty chilly, which is something I really love the idea of. I like the idea that magic kind of sh- helps shape the person, like, physically, too, as well. Like, the more you yeah. use it, the more there's like signs left over yeah yeah that's very interesting because i
0: actually could draw parallel to one of our mutual favorite podcasts because that happens i feel to some degree in sequinox
1: Mm, Great. i yeah you are right i'm just i'm thinking of that comic with um shell out in the ocean in the winter
0: yeah uh because for for context in the in the Role-playing, I guess, arc, Sequinox, which is run by by current friend and former guest of the show, Shannon, and includes uh, former, current friends and former guests of the show, Jake and Alan. Uh, they have characters who are tied to the four seasons, and Jake's character is tied to Summer, which means that now she is just never cold during the winter time, which is suspicious when you live in New England. Which I had that I don't...
1: superpower.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and Alan's character is tied into winter, which I'm assuming it means that I guess she's just never going to get too hot, I guess. It hasn't been, I don't think that's been addressed yet. Oh. And so that part is, that part is a headcanon. But that's interesting, because I don't think I've considered before how, like, magic could physically affect a person.
1: Yeah. But I really like thinking about that, because Thieves is also really interested in magic and what it can do. So, it's something she finds interesting, so it kind of led to me really thinking about it as well. She's also a pacifist, which is something I didn't really discover until I really started... Role playing her. That she doesn't oh. like violence at all. Oh. Not good because she has to fight people.
0: Not good because she's in a Dragon Age game. Yeah. Since Daisy's a pacifist, then,
1: like, how does she deal with that? She kind of has to come to terms that she does have to fight people. I think fighting a lot of demons helps because she doesn't really see them as people. So she doesn't have to. Through- <laughs> So, but she usually stays in the back and lets other people fight, and she'll be there to help support them, and, you know, if something happens, she also has healing magic, so she'll heal them, and Mm -hmm. it's actually something that um, contributes to her more unhappy ending, that all the deaths she's caused has starts weighing in on her, and she feels really guilty about it, so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's something she has to come to terms with, and depending on which way you go she either is able to um reconcile that this is a war she's fighting and she has to make some sacrifices or it kind of just eats away at her
0: yeah yeah those are those i i haven't truthfully tried to do like a divergent timeline thing with characters that i have made before but good on you for coming for putting this much thought into these two different timelines for Daisy. Thank you.
1: I'm. I put a lot of thoughts in my to my characters. I have a lot of free time at work because I do physical labor, so usually my mind can just like drift off, go anywhere. Yeah, and I've always been told I'm really good at character building. So when I have an idea for a character, I'm really good at you know really flushing them out and just bringing them to life. At least that's what people tell me. That's all I've always found that to be fun. I mean that
0: is why I made this podcast. And I have my arms up in a great dramatic gesture because this is an audio medium and I forgot that for a second. (laughs) God. Hey, what can I say? My mom was a theater teacher. I am dramatic. Uh before we head into kind of the general wrap-up, um, there is there anything else that you wanted to touch on with Daisy?
1: Um, not that I can think of. I think I've said what I wanted to say about her.
0: Okay. Any favorite plot points that maybe we didn't talk about tonight that you wanted to get in?
1: Um. Yes. In the canonical in the game, um, you go to the feta one, one point, which happens in every game, um, and you see these gravestones, which has everyone's greatest fear on it. All your teammates, all the greatest fears are written, but yours aren't, because, you know, you're the player character, so they wouldn't be able to really give you anything. Mm-hmm. But I always imagine that Daisy's gravestone would say selfishness, because she's afraid that her own... She's afraid of being selfish because she doesn't want to hurt other people. So I felt that that's what her gravestone would say.
0: So then, Charlie, your last and final question of the night is, why do you love Daisy so much? And I know that you addressed it a little bit earlier, so you don't have to go into
1: too much detail unless you want to. I love her because she has some of the best qualities of myself, and that's something I really admire, but she's such a strong character, and I really love characters that are very kind and compassionate, and, you know, especially in birds worlds where there's very harshness and coldness, that there are these warm, bright energies that, you know, exist, and that's just something that makes me love her, that she's just this ball of energy and compassion despite everything. Yeah. It's always good
0: to have characters like that.
1: She's my favorite child, I'll say it.
0: (laughs) Don't tell the other kids. (laughs) Thank you so much, Charlie, for coming on today. Tonight, insert period of time here whenever you are listening to this. Thank you for having me. I think you might have been the first person to contact me about being on the show by email. Oh. Hallmarks. Yes. So, uh, Charlie, do you have anything that you would like to promote or talk about um, where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found? Daisy's role-playing blog? Yes.
1: You can find me personally at uh, magical underscore pride on Twitter or at Janasi on Tumblr. Janasi is spelled um, I have my own podcast. I have... I'm going to be uploading the new episode sometime this week. I know I missed last month, but it's called Let Me Info Dump, which is about autistic people. Well, just me right now. Info dumping about our social interests. And if you're interested in hearing more about the Dragon Age series, I did an episode where I go over all the different um, material in the universe. And you can find that um, on Twitter at L M I D podcast. Um you can find the IP blog if you want to R.P. with me or just you know check it out. It's of com. Pyrix is spelled p y r r h i c s. I think that's how you spell it.
0: As in like as in like a pyric
1: victory. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> the correct spelling then. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Sometimes you see words and you just say them wrong. Preach, preach. <laughs> but that is it for all my
0: stuff. The home for Wayward OCs can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our theme is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at Wayward OC Pod or through the Wayward OC Pod hashtag. You can also email us at wayward ocpod at gmail.com. And we do currently have a bank of guests built up, and for the time being, I will do my best to be checking the email and the hashtags and things, but I have a move coming up personally within the next couple of months. So if I do not get back to you, I apologize. I will at some point. It just might not be immediately. But if you are interested, you are always more than welcome to drop us a line. And since we are still a fairly new podcast, it would be super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, because that helps us find more guests and brighten more people's day. So, thank you all for listening. This has been The Home for Wayward and we hope you enjoy your, your stay.
1: I don't know why I laugh like that. I don't have any answers. I just do.